you like in-ear monitors? When um, you were playing with hands tied to the wheel. <laughs> oh, man. I imagine you guys didn't have in-ear monitors. No. It was all oh, yeah, wedge. No. Oh, we were lucky to have wedges. <laughs> You guys just listen to your amps and hope for the best. Pretty much, yeah. We were not. Did you guys play out? Did you? I mean, yeah, we played out a little bit, but it was just small venue, local shows. Yeah, you know the local indie scenes. Okay, so you never wound up at the Peabody's or no, House of Blues oh, or goodness, anything. No, okay. no. So when I was in, you know, the the band, we had. You know, we play places like, you know, people, I just plays around Cleveland. And yeah. Everywhere had wedge monitors. They, they were, yeah. You know, obviously it came with the club. And when I started leading worship here, it was, I mean, it was inner monitors like, in, like right away, I think. Yeah, no, no, there were no wedge monitors. So, yeah. So a guy named Steven was leading worship here. Yeah. And it was all in-ears. And I hated it. Yeah. And still hate it to this day. Yeah. I, it gets me all clammed up yeah because i feel you can hear just absolutely everything yeah so every mistake every bad note uh, sunday i was like i hate these things <laughs> but it's they're great for obviously you know ch- yeah. church setting and like yeah. stage noise and stuff like that but so. no yeah i, I there it's so different it's like it's so different being on the other side when you're on the stage like what you hear is so different than what the room is hearing yeah it felt well, I led worship on Sunday because we tried getting a hold of you. <laughs> we, so Bob <laughs> called me at 5.52, and I, I pick up the phone, and I don't know why. I don't know if you do this, but if I'm dead asleep and the phone rings and I pick it up, I try to pretend like I was awake <laughs> yeah. as if I'm a, ashamed of sleeping. Yeah, you can't let people know you so, sleep. So, like, <laughs> the phone rings, but I pick up to Bob, and I'm like, uh, good morning, hello. <laughs> And Bob had legit probably been up for four hours already. Yeah. <laughs> so he was, you know, he had pep in his step. But so I faked being awake for some reason. I didn't lie, <laughs> but but it clearly was not. I was exhausted. And so he's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. Like it's, you woke me up out of a dead sleep and you yeah. want me to make a vital decision for a thousand people right yeah. now. I was like, uh, well, let me shower. <laughs> Go try to get a hold of Mark. That's what we, I thought, said. we thought, <laughs> we thought maybe you know, um, between the two of us, we could get it done. And then by the time you got, I think got back to us, we were already here and we had already kind of, yeah. so I was like, all right, you know, I'll just take care of it. I, I said, tell him Mark not to, not to rush in, but I put those in your monitors. And I can't, I, I can't do both at the same time. Oh yeah. No, I have to do one. Yeah. Cause if I do both, I can't, I can't get the mix right between that. And I, I want to hear the room yeah. too, like, especially on a set, like an acoustic set. Like, and I didn't, <laughs> those classic hymns that I did on Sunday. <laughs> um, so those are songs that people are really familiar with. Um, so I thought they might sing out. I don't know. And I, I think that's always encouraging. Did you do a click track? No, no. Okay. Well, no. you don't need them as much. You can have one out. It's easier. I think. No, I thought about as long as you can hear Bob. Yeah. I thought about click for a set. Well, that's part of the reason that I had him driving it. Cause it's much mm-hmm. easier for me as a, a singer when I'm, you know, singing to follow, Someone else rather than, you know, because us guitar players do weird strumming patterns, yeah. you know, and, and keyboard players and piano players can too. So, yeah, we just kind of pushed it, you know, yeah. pieced it together, I should say. So it was why I was wiped out. <laughs> I was absolutely wiped out. Oh, I bet. So Henry's got this um, tape measure he enjoys playing with. 
and not the kind that is sharp and retracts at 17,000 miles an hour. That's one. That's what he wanted. And I'm like, you're going to slice your fingers off. Like, we're not, we're not doing this. So we bought him one that's a 200 foot, but it's, you wind it up, which mm. we thought he would like as well. And so what he likes me to do is hold the tape measure, and then he runs around the house and creates a, a mess. And then winds it up, and then we all listen. Everything fall off the wall on the tables as it as it happens. <laughs> so Rachel was tired too on Sunday, so we were laying there, and I don't know if I had fallen asleep holding this tape measure, but Rachel's like, "Here, I'll do it. I'll do it." I was like, "I'll be fine." And so somehow I maintained some type of grip, I think, as I fell asleep. <laughs> it just was like it's pushed over your son, but it was he was very nice because normally we got to like do act out play and all that kind of stuff with him. So. It was a pretty pretty easy Sunday, but I was I was pretty wiped out for sure. What um well let's tell people why you're here. Uh Jared's still messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> a that's a clinical diagnosis. <laughs> so he's still messed up. He's um Sarah got the stomach bug. People say stomach flu. I don't think that's accurate. Yeah. I say bug. I say bug now. Bug. Yeah. yeah. So uh Sarah got it, then Addie, their daughter, then Judah, son, and then uh, Jared got it. And from what uh, Sarah was saying, Rachel and Sarah text all the time, Jared got it worse than anybody. Oh, yeah. So so even if he had wanted to come back on podcast today, I would have refused. <laughs> because that those viruses, the, the and I think the dominant one, I think it's called norovirus. Mm-hmm. You can be contagious for up to three weeks, they say. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Happy New Year, Jared. That's, that's kind of what I'm at. It's yeah. just you and me, bud. Yeah. So. Um, well, I am wearing my flannel in honor. Yes. In honor of Jared. You are very Jared-like. No yeah. hat. Um, so the other thing is we should probably practice because when Jared's. Yeah, this was going to happen anyway. Regardless. Yeah, yeah. When Jared's out on paternity leave for, yeah. you know, three weeks or a month or whatever, you and I are going to uh, anchor the podcast. Yeah. Um, so. But you're here today because um, because of that, certainly. But then last week, you know, Jared was still recovering from COVID. Yes. <laughs> so we um, and then and the, or I'm sorry, last week he was still recovering from COVID, and then Jared or, and then um, Sarah got sick, so he stayed home on uh, Monday mm-hmm. to take care of the kids. And by the time he came in on Tuesday, he was just already backed up. And so we're yeah. like, let's just you know not do a podcast this week. So I want to make sure we get a podcast this week. We have some good questions, I think. Um, how are how are you? This is probably the good. <laughs> Great. Let's I, move on. <laughs> I'm not sick, so you're feeling wonky though. Yeah, I, I, last week. I had a head cold last week for about a day, but yeah, yeah, that, that I recovered. Yeah, sleep. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like Thursday. I wasn't feeling well on Thursday, and I just yeah. slept a bunch. It wasn't a stomach bug. No, fortunately, but. It's hard to know. Yeah. Right now, and we talked about it in staff meeting. I'm like, if you get, if any of us just even feel slightly, I'll just stay home. Like, yeah. we can, and we did it during COVID for the most part. We did our jobs from from home quite a bit. Yeah. It's hard. I could. It's hard for me to do that because Henry, you know, wants to play all the time. Yeah. I don't. Your kids want to play with you. They got each other, right? Oh no, they they don't like each other. Really? Okay. No, they're definitely at that age of bickering. How well, much? They also form alliances, so it depends on the day and the mood. They do play with each other, but they also will pick at each other, and then one will hang out with one, and then the other one feels you know left out. And then, yeah. Then they'll switch the next day, and 
I told Rachel, Rachel, we need another kid. We need <laughs> yeah. one for Henry. And I'm like, I don't think he's going to go as well as you think. <laughs> well, yeah. When you have three, three is where alliances can form. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I had two older sisters. I don't know if I think the alliances were formed with me. I don't think those two ever ganged up on me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they were 16 months apart, I think. So they were yeah. very competitive. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just fist fights about where's my sweater. Cool. Where's my Forenza sweater? Which, I mean, it was something else. <laughs> I watched. Oh, they would get, um, so vacuums have these hose attachments. Nowadays, vacuum, I don't know how they're doing it. They've got, yeah. everything's attached already. Yeah, you just breaks apart. Right, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This was back in the day where we had a vacuum and there was the, you know, the part with the bristles and then the, the long handle and then the tube going to a separate unit that yeah. had like wheels on it. Mm. And so it was, everything's compact now. Yeah. This thing was, you lay this thing down 16 feet long. It had its own closet. (laughs) So, but it had all these attachments and I would sometimes watch them, um, a fight with these attachments as weapons (laughs) and just hit one another. And then there was a time where one used a a heating pad cord. It was a real thick cord. Yeah. And you could just hear, (laughs) I'm like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I tell Rachel, um, like, I don't know, I don't know. But we wind up being Henry's playmate, which is super fun and not. Yeah. Because he's going to be six in January. Uh, he don't, we don't really like the same things. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It is not my desire to, to play tape measure, yeah. you know, for an hour a day. But at the same time, I get all this face-to-face time with him, which is yeah. really, really nice as well. So it's a bit of a balance. So. What would you say is the strongest alliance in, in your home? I'm trying to think. Is it, would Oscar and Cece be, is he protective of Cece? Yeah, he can be. Um, Cece is the most independent, so she can go at it her own, on her own, the best. She was walking around the worship center on Sunday with yeah. a piece of pizza crust hanging out of her mouth like a <laughs> Cuban cigar. Not chewing it. Literally walking around the brain. He was like, yeah. can you eat that, please? And she's just walking around. That's her way of saying, I got that pizza and you didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a status thing. And then yeah. within two minutes, Brandy was like, Daddy brought you guys pizza. Did you bring me any pizza? <laughs> this is real. Brandy, if you're listening, you know this to be true. <laughs> I did not bring them pizza. They found me and Don't. hunted it down. Hey, listen, you guys figured this out. You got to advocate for yourself if you want pizza. <laughs> That's right. So Oscar protective over cc who who would you say probably it picks the most um oscar and veda pick the most yeah they, they're closest in they're age. yeah they're 17 months apart and they they yeah they they'll pick each other they like they're bickering this morning before school over just the most silly stuff yeah just stuff that just doesn't matter <laughs> but they 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 both like not that they enjoy bickering but it feels like it yeah it's hard to break them of that or veda was very stressed out on sunday it was i was in the worship center it was rachel and brandy and then you know henry and the kids and oscar and henry are doing laps up and down the ramp mm-hmm. and uh, bob comes in and we had uh, two baptisms on sunday so he pulls the drain yeah a plug which when the baptistry uh, drains it sounds like a didgeridoo yeah henry couldn't he was like <laughs> He'd never heard this sound. He's like, can you pick me up and show me what's going on in there? And I was like, I have, no, I have zero energy and zero strength. So I took a chair from the front row and just put it on the stage and just shoved it up against the thing. So at one point, uh, Oscar and Veda and Henry had all managed to stand on this one chair, and they're all just watching this thing drain. <laughs> but Bob had pulled the drain plug out and put it on the outside of the baptistry. Mm-hmm. 
well, I, I don't know how it happened. I would imagine one of the kids did it. And I'm, I'm speculating, but it, it might have been Veda because she, Bob and I were talking. She's just patiently just waiting, just standing there. And then, and then there was a break in silence, and she's like, um, Pastor Bob? And Bob's like, yes, Veda. She's like, that um, thing that you pulled out, it is in the, it's in there. <laughs> oh, no. And she's like, I don't think the water's going to drain. And Bob's like, no, 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 it'll still, it, it'll still drain. Like you have to push the, you know, plug yeah. down and the thing. And yeah. And she was like, okay. And just like, <laughs> left. so yes, that's what you were made. What, what, what were you doing? You were in with, uh, I had a leader meeting. Gotcha. See our leader meeting. Yeah. Gotcha. With Papa John's. With Papa John's. We got a shakaroni. Is that your favorite? I'd say standard pizza. Mm, like let's, let me give you I some. I don't know. I'm getting. Domino's, Marco's, uh, Romeo's. Let's say Papa John's, Master Pizza is probably in that category. Yeah, I been, I get Papa John's a lot, but I'm kind of starting to, I don't know. Lately, it's not been good. Yeah, yeah. I like Domino's a lot, for as far as like the big chains. Have you ever had their lava cake? I don't think so. That's right. Rachel will crave <laughs> a pizza place's dessert. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, is that where we're at? <laughs> That's why she's not like, I want tiramisu from Chez Francois or whatever it is, which I know I just mixed an Italian dessert with a French restaurant, but she wants Domino's lava cake. Yeah. She'll, she'll tell people about it. And I'm like, I, I, we can keep some things to ourselves. She's like, hey, you ever had Domino's lava cake? I'm like, we just met them at the, yeah. we, we don't know these people. <laughs> like, we're literally just sitting at a wedding at, at, at the table next to these folks. We're not our best friends. Let's, <laughs> let's not pick ourselves in this life. I grew up in a town of 3,000 people and we had two pizza places. One was Domino's and one was like a local okay. mom and pop place. Local any good? It was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Uh, but it was also cheaper. So, yeah. we could, you know, we would rarely get Domino's because it was more expensive. Domino's will text me sometimes because I oh, signed up, you yeah. know, I had, you know, delivery. Because they miss you. Well, they're like, you know, hey. Just it's remind you of that lava cake. They're just like, yeah, right. Is Rachel there? <laughs> She's like, Domino's <laughs> keeps asking for Rachel's phone number. <laughs> I'm like, back off, Domino. She's married. <laughs> so, yeah, they'll they'll text me from time. It happened on Sunday. I was on the ramp getting ready to preach, and my phone went off. I looked down, and it was like, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> I was like, not now, Domino's. I'm trying to do the Lord's work. So Domino's will chase you down. So just beware. If you're listening to this and Domino's asked for your phone number, they'll get you. Yeah. Well, let's start digging in here. Um, I do have a meet and greet question for you, but one of our devoted listeners sent us um, their opinion, and I'm hesitating with opinion because this, this individual really seems like they know what they're talking about. So this might be fact. <laughs> it could be fact, but they, they wanted to let us know... Uh, what to do in relationship to this zombie apocalypse scenario that Jared laid out a couple of weeks back. His meet and greet question was, uh, his meet and greet question sponsored by Home Depot was that we, if we're you know under attack, zombie apocalypse right yeah. now, wh where do we go? What do we do? Um, Jared asked me, I of course came up with the, the now I believe the FDA is looking at this. Is it, would the FDA do <laughs> Probably not the FDA. That's the uh, food and drug. Yeah. Well, who would that be? Department of Homeland. Would it be Homeland Security? Security. Homeland Security. Probably, yeah. Is, is looking at my um, combination of red, hot, and oranges now. 
you went machine gun um, because that's the platform you'll be running on for Congress. <laughs> and then Jared uh, said, unsurprisingly, in that podcast that he wanted to head right to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, so this listener says, after listening to last week's podcast, and this would have been two weeks ago. I couldn't help but think that my friends would die in the upcoming zombie apocalypse. And then, of course, in context, they quote Zechariah 14, 12. Do you know what that is? I of course. I shouldn't say, of course. You're, you're a very smart guy. No, no. I, okay, because no, I, I don't know what that too. is. There's a smiley face with it, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out here. I don't know what the Greek word is for zombie. <laughs> well, Zechariah would be, would be Hebrew. <laughs> or Hebrew. <laughs> so 14, 12. Let's see here. And this shall be the plague with which the Lord will strike all the peoples that wage war against Jerusalem. Their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet, and their eyes will rot uh, in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouths. Perhaps this listener <laughs> is advocating that uh, zombies are uh, real. Hmm. So this is the coming day of the Lord. Yeah. So... When that happens, <laughs> when Jesus comes back for the second time uh, and the zombies are chasing after us, they, so, so they say, uh, we're going to die. And they say, Pastor Neil would just be a tasty appetizer. And even though Pastor Mark's idea of machine gun would usually sound like a good idea, the sound of it firing would attract the zombies to him. See what I'm saying? Mm. This is a person that's, they're in deep. Yeah. Probably, one might say too deep. Well, possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> Now I'm wondering what the source for this is. It's got to be movies and video games, right? I guess. Okay, so out of the three, Pastor Jerry would survive the longest. I like that he gets the longest, but he's he's still certain that everybody Jared, dies. That yeah. Jared, well, at least that Jared dies <laughs> with his uh, uh, melee. Melee, yeah, <laughs> melee weapons. I was like melee <laughs> weapons. Oh boy, we should have done this in the afternoon. Uh, you have to hit it. You have to hit the brain for it to die. This is my problem. Oh, what's with, what's the brain doing? Yeah. All right. I don't know. Or you guys just come to Florida. I'll use my attack gators on the zombies and we'll be safe. That is the other option. I don't know if I would feel safe getting on a plane. I like it. He just says you're a tasty appetizer. Like you, like you don't even stand a chance. I, apparently I have zero fight in me. You're the first course. Right. Like you're, you're, out of the way right. immediately, almost immediately. Right. So that's how they'll view me, perhaps. And I can't believe, though, he's saying Jared won that conversation. <laughs> well, I guess. Which which begs the question: how how deep is Jared into this? Because this know. is the second time that he's it brought was his zombies. Question, yeah. I'm wondering. So this was an email. So I know I know who this individual is. Otherwise, I would claim it was an alias. <laughs> by Jared. Or Jared is using this name as an alias. This is interesting. Oh, I love speculating. <laughs> Jared looks very good in this. He does. Yeah. And it's got some it's got some information here. I don't know. All right. Well, I guess that's true. I'm not, I'm not hurt by this. Yeah. I can tell you what I'm I'm going to go ahead and look into Zechariah 14 as soon as I get out. Yeah, because <laughs> maybe this individual's onto something. Maybe we do need attack gators. So I have, um, I have two. I'm going to give you choice. I have two meet and greet questions um, in in my brain, um, and they're both questions about things that you 
do and prefer. Uh, one is related to food. Okay. And the other is not. Okay. So I will let you choose. <laughs> Very Robert California right now. <laughs> what, what would you like to talk about? <laughs> food or non-food? Oh. Let's do non-food because we, we've done food a bit already. Sounds great. Mark Mattingly, what are your hobbies? What do you, what do, you do outside of uh, this podcast, this job, family? What do you do? Mark Mattingly has a Saturday. Yeah. Brandy took the kids. They're going to hang out with dad. And you've got nothing to do. Yeah. Grass is mowed. Yeah. House is clean. Mm. So if this is a fantasy setting. Yeah, oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah, no, this will never happen, right? Because in this same day, the sun is shining. Okay, yeah. Yeah, birds are chirping. Yeah. Your knees feel great. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of things I would potentially do. Uh, I do ride a bike. I like to mm. cycle. Um, I had not so much lately now that I have three kids, but um, that's the kind of thing that takes a lot of time. So yeah. that would have to be like a clear Saturday where everything is done and the family's gone, that sort of thing. Um, that, or, um, I am in school, so that takes up a lot of my time, yeah. but that kind of leads into, I like to read and, you know, study and do that kind of stuff. So you're going to woodworking school. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to be a carpenter. Yeah. Um, as I try to be more like Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's um, sanctification. Right. 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 So, um, I also, oh, let's see what else I do enjoy movies. Um, I play guitar. Yeah. I don't know. I I go through phases. I don't I do video games a little bit, not a whole lot. I those are very Okay. Kind of streaky. I'll do one here or there if With the kids, Oscar. Yeah, yeah. Oscar Oscar, Vader, Oscar yeah. loves loves the Nintendo. What kind of video games did you like as a kid? Um, or, or did you have a gaming system? I did. I was always one gaming system behind. Um, yeah. So when this when the Super <laughs> Nintendo came out, I got the Nintendo. Right. Um, well, prior to Nintendo, you had Atari. <laughs> prior to Nintendo, yeah, I had a, a ball on a string. <laughs> That's right. um, Here's a hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> Video game. No, no, no. Hula hoop. <laughs> We're going to start you slow. Um, yeah, just the regular stuff. I, I love the Super Nintendo. That was kind of like my childhood at that age when you played video games a yeah. lot. Like, was the Super did you like Nintendo the sports games stuff. or was it more like sports? It, yeah, I did the sports first games. person type, um, you know. It was kind of before the age. Well, I guess I did some of that. My, a friend of mine had a computer that had like the original Wolfenstein oh. and the original Doom, like when that first came out. I years feel like ago. he'd be a Zelda guy. I was a Zelda guy too. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. Oscar's a Zelda guy. He he plays Zelda a lot. He likes Zelda. Zelda guy. He's a Zelda guy. <laughs> we just named the podcast. Zelda guy. <laughs> Who's editing this? You were cheering. <laughs> I'll jot this down. Zelda guy sounds like a lot of different things. <laughs> it sounds like a planet, like a Star Wars planet. It's also my screen name. Yeah, Zelda, Zelda guy. Zelda. Zelda guy woodworking. Yeah, Zelda guy. Twenty two. Seven seven seven. Because there were twenty one other Zelda guy woodworkers. <laughs> you guys are an elite crew. You're yeah. like the uh, the Masons. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. So after Super Nintendo, did, I mean, did you move into Turbo Graphics like sixteen in or or uh, the Genesis, um, the Sega? I had the Super Nintendo, and then what's the other one? Xbox. The kids like. Well, the Dreamcast and the PlayStation came after that. Okay. Um, I didn't have that. My, my friends did, though. I would go to their house and play. Yeah. Um, I didn't get the PlayStation. 
uh, yeah, I think the Super Nintendo was the last one I had. And then I went to college, and my roommate always had whatever system was Something. out. So, yeah, I would just play his. And then in college, I got into We played Mario Kart Double Dash. Okay. And that, like, I'm pretty sure lowered my GPA by a whole point. Did it? For, I think it was sophomore year. It was it was a problem. <laughs> you guys got hooked. Yeah, there was yeah. like four of us, and we got to the point of like trying to beat course records. Looking, and, looking back on that period of time, yeah, was it that fun? College? No, no, no. Just like Mario Kart. Oh, the game? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess I don't. Was it? I mean, what kind of hours did you spend? Like, think about where you're at now. At oh, at, do, you're asking if I regret it. Not um, necessarily regret it because I absolutely do. Okay. Yeah. Not, but like when you look back at it, certainly you can regret the time. Yeah. But like, is it, was it that it's like watching a movie, like a movie you liked as a kid and then yeah. you see it as an adult. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're just like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Like Jean-Claude Van Damme can't do that. Nobody can do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's with, with all the splits? Yeah. Stop doing the splits. Yeah. Like no, I've never was... seen one Olympic karate match where somebody's like splits. <laughs> I'm just doing the splits right now, yeah. you know, as an offensive gesture <laughs> right? <Yeah>. and defense. <laughs> and defense. <laughs> I can understand the defense, this, the split down to maybe get a leg. Yeah. But he's just always with the splits. Yeah. So like, yeah, like looking back on it now, you're like, would you, do you think you would still enjoy it as much now as you did then? Uh, you know, what came with it was the, it was the game we played together with friends. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, we cram into our tiny, well, this dorm got rooms. heartwarming. Well, yeah, the game the game was fun, but yeah. it was what what brought us together. Mm. Yeah. You gotta give me a second. That was beautiful. <laughs> so is it bike ride? That's is that your final answer? Like let's what are you gonna Oh yeah, but also golfing. I'm trying to get back into golfing. Whoa. I I, I have a lot of things I really wanna do. Yeah. Um but you, are all, you good at any of it? Very time consuming. I'm not, I don't mean that to be mean. <laughs> That's horribly well, mean. Like, I mean, I used to be, I yeah. used to be very good at golf. Um, yeah. In high school, I played every day. Um, but were not, you in a golf league? Well, we actually, um, in high school, a buddy of mine and I started a team for our school. Our school yeah. didn't have a team and we got his dad to coach us and we had got like four guys at the minimum needed and we started a team and played for my senior year. Um, and back then I was okay. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't professional, you know, caliber or anything, but yeah. I was okay. Um, but recently I've tried to get back more back into that. Okay. Um, but it's, that's not going well either. It's just, well, I think the, probably the weather's not cooperating. Well, it's right just now. so time consuming. Like, yeah. like it's hard, like those Saturdays where the family's gone and everything's done. Like How they don't really exist. If you play 18 holes, it's going to take four or five hours. Oh my. Okay. And that doesn't count the commute driving to whatever course you yeah. want to play or i mean you can do you know half nine holes in half that time but like who, it's it's just who are you golfing with you feel comfortable uh sharing uh well i'm not golfing much that's like, okay i'm like my brother-in-law plays okay I, yeah uh, i play with him we go we played at the beach this year um okay round well, here who you could golf by yourself yeah, yeah i could golf by myself sometimes yeah, yeah. i bet that's relaxing well, yeah, it really is. It's outside. I just enjoy being outside. It's yeah, something about being around manicured grass. Yeah, okay. It's just very. Have very you found nice. that as you've gotten older, you care more about grass than you used to? I'm finding this. Yes, I I definitely have found that. Yeah, I'm like I got a um, someone that comes out and does the weeds and stuff yeah. like that, and we have a very small yard. Like I yeah. can stand in one place and 
mow my entire yard. I feel like yeah. if I just pivot, <laughs> like I've covered yeah. 80% of the yard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I find that I'm, I'm wanting to care for the grass more and I don't know why <laughs> it does nothing. Yeah. Some of the most disappointed, uh, I've been in Rachel was when she ran over the new grass I planted. Oh, and, that was your baby. Well, I looked outside, looked outside the window, and there was just a massive tire track <laughs> through the grass that I had planted. And I had this hard patch. You ever you oh. have a hard patch grass? And it was, yeah. finally was growing. Henry and I were going out there every day measuring it. Yeah. You know, I was looking at it. We're watering it together. Yeah. Bonding with my son over this grass. And look at this giant tire mark with all the grass. I'm like, well, I mean, Rachel had been home for like an hour or two. Yeah. And I'm like, she, you know, she would have been like, oh man, so sorry about that. Surely it couldn't have been her. So I got out of the front yard and I'm just looking around. I'm like, this, you know, somebody, what's somebody doing? And then I see the muddy tire track going into my garage. Mm. And I was like, I, yeah. I remember I just kind of kneeled down and I thought, Lord, grant me the serenity. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm a, why is this bothering me so much? And, yeah. and so I went inside and I was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> and it just, I, yeah, I didn't do well with that. So I found that of. I'm the guy, I'm now the guy that, that gets mad at people. Um, like at, at our last family birthday party at our house, like we'll have people over and we have a long driveway, Yeah, but it was only one way in and out. So people don't like to park in it first. Cause if they're first and there's going to be like five or six cars behind them yeah. at a party. So yeah, yeah. the last birthday party we had for one of my kids, my dad just like comes in and then takes a left and parks on the grass in the yeah, front yard. Oh well, my goodness. And, uh, and like, you know, he didn't ask, but, yeah. it, but then, you know, people saw that and they're like, Oh, we can do this. And so 10 minutes later, there's like five cars in my front yard. Yeah. The driveway's empty. Like there's nobody parked <laughs> in the actual driveway. And I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. Like there's no need to park in this. Grass. Did you say anything? I, I was very passive aggressive and said like got <laughs> like made it uncomfortable. Right. I mean sure. sure wish I could turn my sprinklers on yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> like man, I hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And like and did anyone get the hint or they just Oh, they all got the hint. Okay. Yeah, but I'm that guy. I'm yeah. the guy that, that is that is annoying because of that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think I probably would have just tackled the first one. Uh, Dad, Dad, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, what are you doing? I wasn't even nobody, allowed to ride my bike on the grass. Nobody park in the driveway, and then if you park around the corner on the street, the closest street parking, like they almost yeah. got ticketed last time they did that. So now it's just the front yard. Sounds like you can't have parties at your house. You heard it here first, Brandy. Okay. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna Thanksgiving get... comes. Oh, up. Sorry, a comes word up. of the Lord is coming to me. <laughs> Zelda guy, here we go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's start uh, digging in. Let me talk about Sunday a little bit. Sunday uh, was week three of the 101s, and, and what we've been doing in this series is going over just some very basics. And I want to start the first three weeks with establishing kind of the 101s of the Bible, um, kind of a Bible survey, if you will, it, <laughs> and like the most bird's eye view uh, of, of that. And then same with the New Testament or the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the hope was that it would give people a renewed sense of excitement to be in the Word. Those simple things, like I think just forgetting that the Bible was written over in a long period of time, simple things like you know who authored uh, you know a particular text are things that a lot of people, well, I mean, probably a lot of Christians skip. Like I think they just kind of go right in and 
you know, what I hear all the time is, you know, somebody comes in the Lord and they want to read the Bible. And so somebody will start them off in the book of John, which is absolutely fine. You know, I think it's great. Um, but then that pattern kind of continues uh, because we don't necessarily do a good job um, sticking with people through that process for discipling yeah. people. I we never say. get to the zombies. We never, we don't, yeah. we don't. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of give some basic information and just talk about Old Testament. Why do we have it? You know, and and why do we have the New Testament? Why did God give us these things? And again, I think a myriad of answers. And I try to keep it as simple and point it back to the gospel as yeah. possible. That the Old Testament shows us we need Jesus, and then we God gives us Jesus in the New Testament. Um, and so this past week was New Testament, and we talked about um, you know kind of that intertestamental period, that four hundred years of silence, and you know God's still moving and and working. And this week we're going to move into uh, two. I would say it's it's two and one, right? Matthew twenty eight nineteen, the Great Commission tells us to go make disciples and then teach them to obey. And so you've got these uh, two categories of discipleship, one being discipleship through conversion, which is what I'm going to talk about this week, evangelism, and then discipleship through connection, which is, I mean, it's what you do <laughs> as the adult pastor. Um, and so you're gonna you're gonna open that up as well. Our questions today are kind of a little bit all over the place. Um, nothing to do with the sermon series. We did get uh, a, a couple in, um, I think maybe just yesterday. So we'll try to tackle those uh, next week. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll try to get through as many of these as possible. And then whatever we don't get, we'll move on to next week. So let's start with this one. Question number one, Pastor Mark. The Catholics are quite clear about what happens when you die. What is our church's teaching on what happens to us when we die, besides heaven and hell? Great question. Yes. So, what happens when we die? Uh, that's a that's a good question. And uh, the the question here it starts with the Catholics are quite clear about it. Um, they're not stating exactly what the Catholics teach, um, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they're saying they're quite clear, um, but just to kind of to state what the Catholics believe, uh, they they believe that you die, and once when you die, you face judgment, and based on um, you know whether based on merit and grace, um, you either face heaven, purgatory, or hell, and your soul is you're judged when you die. So you die, you're judged, your soul is separated from um, your body, and then you're sent to either heaven, purgatory, or hell, and um, Heaven is obviously for those who that's the highest you can achieve. Yeah. Hell is the lowest. <laughs> and then purgatory is this place where you are sent that you will eventually be in heaven, but you're sent to, to purgatory if you're not completely purified, if you're not completely clean when you die, if there's sins you still need to kind of pay for. So it's a, a kind of a, a place of purification. And then once you've spent some time, you've done your dues, you've put in the punishment, the discipline, then you're granted access to heaven. So um, there's actually um, a lot of overlap as to what we would believe as evangelicals <laughs> and, and the Catholics believe at, at this point, but there are some some key differences. Um, first, I'll say that um, we do, well, I want to say this. <laughs> so <laughs> you say what you've got a microphone. Yeah, you say what you want. So we, um, 
he, we're trying, uh, we're setting this up against what the Catholics believe versus what we believe in our church. I got you. Um, yeah. We believe what the Bible teaches. We believe what the Bible says. And I, I don't mean to say that as in holier than thou, but um, it's not that our church has adopted any specific doctrine and we're going to say this is it. Um, it we, we just simply believe what we're a Bible-based church. We teach the Bible as as all good evangelical churches do. Um, and the reason I say that is because that is a key difference between us and the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church views the authority of Scripture differently than we do. We believe that this is the final say for faith and practice. This is, this is we are under complete authority of the Word of God, Scripture. The Catholic Church teaches that the Church itself, the Catholic Church itself, is on equal footing, if not greater, that they're on at least equal footing with Scripture. So what the Church teaches can be as authoritative as what the Bible teaches. And the reasoning, I think, behind some of that is that, well, who wrote the Bible? And they would say the Church wrote the Bible, so the Church has the equal authority of Scripture. So we have things like the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and that is partially their interpretation of Scripture, but they would say that that catechism has equal authority because that's a church tradition. The church came up with that, and it's been handed down over the years. And so that has equal authority that the, the, a Catholic would be, a Catholic person would be bound to that just as they're bound to Scripture. Um, that's why they, the things the Pope says holds the same weight as Scripture. And, and, and I would I would completely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe we're completely submitted to this as as truth. So um, that's why things like purgatory, this idea of purgatory, has has come out not necessarily out of scripture, but more out of tradition um, from interpretations of scripture, maybe, but also just tradition and things that have been taught or said over the years by cardinals and and popes and and all that good stuff. So. Um, we have to look at what Scripture says about what happens when we die. Yeah, and there's no Scripture that says when you die, this happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we 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 look at some Scriptures and we can kind of get some things that um, got to piece it together. Piece it together a little yeah. bit, but it's 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 I, I won't say it's somewhat clear, but I feel like it's somewhat clear. And as I said earlier, there is a lot of agreement between us and what the Catholic Church would believe. Um, I, the Catholic Church, from my understanding, believes in uh, a dichotomous view of, of the person. So as a person, I'm two parts, right. body and soul. And I would agree with that. Um, you, some believe in the trichotomous view, body, soul, and spirit. Um, I would say Scripture supports a body and soul uh, view. <laughs> and so when you die, your body and your soul are separated. And I would agree with that. Um, and the body stays here, and the soul goes elsewhere. Uh, so on, in that, we would agree. And I think the, the Catholic Church would also agree uh, that um, ultimately, when Christ comes back, he's going to uh, resurrect the body, and it's going to be reunited with the soul. And there's a couple scriptures I want to get into to kind of unpack this a little bit. Um, I'll start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15 which uh, I guess I should have put a bookmark in. I, you know, I, ran I put out a of few bookmarks. bookmarks in, but I, our, got, I wrote a lot of scripture down for today. Our audience is very patient when we flip. 
And plus, we can also, if you take a really long time, that's happened to me before, where my pages keep getting stuck together and I kept flipping to the wrong thing and then I got all flustered. Oh, yeah. And I needed the, I don't know, like verse 12, 23. Yeah. And, but I turned to chapter 23 and looked at verse 12. Oh. And it, it was like no context at all. And it was the Old Testament, so and it was something more. was right. off of it. Right. <laughs> Jared's like, so calm down and I'll edit this out. I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so, too much coffee. Oh. Yes, lots of scripture. This is good. So, First Corinthians fifteen, starting at verse fifty-one. Behold, I tell you a mystery: we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immort- immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on the on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So this is describing that second coming resurrection, the resurrection of the believers. And it says, we shall not all sleep, but we will all be changed. And the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up now is this is the ultimate goal. This is This is where we're all headed. And we believe this, the Catholic Church believes this, um, the, that our soul is separated for a time uh, if we should die. And that is, that's indicated here when it says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So when it says, we shall not all sleep, that phrase, we shall not all sleep, actually refers to death, that death as we think of it, the death of the body. Um, we're told in the New Testament that as, as believers, we never truly die. We never face that second death. Um, so it's really more of a, a transition to the next, to what's the next age, the next life, the next thing to come. So when Scripture, the New Testament says we, we won't sleep, that means we, um, we may not all die, but we will all be resurrected. The question then becomes, uh, what happens if we die before the second coming? Yeah. And that was... Um, that was a question the Thessalonians had. They were concerned about that. They were a little confused about the timing of Jesus' return. They, they thought Jesus was going to come back and the, the apocalypse would happen in their lifetime. But then some of the, their, their you know, brothers and sisters in Christ started dying. And so they got worried and concerned, like, like are they missing out? Like, right. what, what's going to happen? And so... Um, so Paul addresses that in First Thessalonians. We'll go. We'll go there next. Um, and this is all. I'm. I'm. I'm getting somewhere. I'm working my way somewhere. This is, this is great. So in First uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter four, starting at verse thirteen, it says, "But we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. So are asleep, meaning um, physical body dead. Physical body dead. We see that when um, Lazarus." Uh, Lazarus, Lazarus yeah. asleep. We yeah. saw it with uh, Stephen when Even, Stephen oh, was yeah. stoned. Yeah. He said, and Stephen fell asleep. Um, so he's Paul's writing to the Thessalonians about their brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep or who have died, that you may not grieve as others who do have no hope. So we don't grieve like others who have no hope because we don't experience that second and final death. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So we're getting this picture that those who have fallen asleep are 
with God. They're, they, Christ at his second return is actually going to bring them with him, um, and he can't bring them with him if they're not already there. Right. Philippians 1, 23, I, I wrote it down. Yeah, one twenty three. Paul says, I would rather depart and be with Jesus, um, but that's not up to me. So, right. I mean, he's keeping me here, so that means I have fruitful labor, I have work to do while I'm here, but I would rather depart and be with Jesus. So, tying all this together a little bit, we have the second coming, that one day Christ will return and resurrect our bodies, which are left behind, and then our bodies will put on immortality, as we read in 1 Corinthians. So, our souls are immortal, those are that's that immortality that's going to have to come and be united again with our body, and our bodies will be changed. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll all be changed. We'll be made immortal. Our bodies will be changed in a way that are become immortal. This happened with Christ. So Christ resurrected from the dead, but you can also say Lazarus resurrected from the dead, but it wasn't the same kind of resurrection. Right. Lazarus was going to die again, um, which ultimately, think about it, I just got a pretty bum rap. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> like, he had to die twice. Maybe he was quick. Maybe this is like, oh, really? But that's a good, like, also thinking of, like, wh- where was Lazarus in those right. you know, those four days? Like, where where was he? And then he had to be, like, pulled back. Like, oh, Jesus is calling you back in. Right. You got to come back down. Right. But anyway, uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. Jairus' daughter was raised from the dead, but they were raised back to their current life. Like, they were raised back to be as we are. They were going to die again. Christ was raised in his glorified body. He was raised in that body that was made immortal. So now not just his soul, but the body is made immortal. Now we're following in Christ's footsteps. And at the second resurrection all of us will be resurrected and we'll be made immortal our bodies will be changed and and we'll live in eternity we'll be made for eternity at that point because right now we're clearly not made for eternity so that's the second coming the question then is what happens today mm-hmm. like what happens right now before the second coming in this time because people are falling asleep and first Thessalonians here says we don't have to worry you know they're they're, they're good. They didn't miss out because right. they're, they're dying before the return of Christ. Um, so they're good. But but what happens? Like, do we go to, do we go to purgatory? Do we go to heaven? Do we go, do we fall asleep in a, in a way that we feel like we're asleep? Um, and I, I believe scripture supports the idea that we do go to be with Christ. We go to be in, in either heaven or uh, some state of punishment or hell. Um, we've talked about that. We talked about this, this um, the idea of Sheol, yeah. the underground. Um, holding tank. <laughs> holding tank, kind of. Yeah. Because we know heaven right. heaven, and, and heaven and earth are not what they will be. Right. Um, and that's true, I think, also of hell. Right. It's it's waiting for the, the last judgment scene in Revelation 20, the, the great white throne right. judgment scene. Um and that's where that that resurrection will happen. And I think, I think things are not as they are yet. Yeah. Um, but there is something. Right. Uh, and we have a few scriptures that support that. Mm-hmm. Um, but first, first I'll throw out Luke twenty three um, on Jesus on the cross. Mm-hmm. This is the probably the most common commonly used scripture in the, with this question. Yeah. Um, Jesus is 
being crucified between two thieves. And in Luke's account of the gospel, uh, we're told that there's a conversation that happens where one thief is ridiculing and um, actually both thieves um, are ridiculing and mocking Jesus. Save, you know, save yourself if you're such a you're such an awesome dude. If you're such a, you know, if you are the son of God, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. And we see one of them repent. One of them comes to faith and repents and says, like, we, we're being crucified rightly. Like, we, we're guilty. We mm -hmm. deserve this. This guy didn't do anything wrong. He's, he's being, you know, innocently condemned. Um, so basically he's telling the other, other thief to, you know, shut up. Yeah. And then he says to Jesus, you know, when you come, you know, when you come into your father's kingdom, will you remember me? It's just the the one of the one of the sweetest <laughs> pleas for Christ in all of scripture. Right. Like there's that desperation to it, which we're all so desperate as sinners. Yeah. Um, but it's also just so simple and it's and it's really what all of us as sinners need. We need Christ to remember us. Yeah. And so Christ responds in Luke 23, um, starting at verse 42. And 42, 42 and 43. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Um, plain reading of that is today that thief will be with Jesus in paradise. Right. And there's really no need to, to try to interpret that away. Like that means anything different than Jesus is going to paradise um, whatever that means, it means, I think, with the Father in the throne room, um, and today you'll be there with me. Yeah. So this tells us, I think, what happens when we die. This points to what happens when we die. We are either with, we die in Christ, or we die rejecting Christ, and we either are with Christ or we're not. Yeah. All right, so uh, another scripture I want to go to was 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Uh, this kind of um, reiterates a little bit what um, Paul was saying in Philippians, saying he wanted to be with Christ, be away, um, wants to depart and go with Christ. Um, and here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, uh, he's talking about um, the tent that's our earthly body. He says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. That's referring to our body. If our body is destroyed, our earthly home, our tent, then we have a building that's from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the house, the room that Jesus promised his disciples that he's going off to make. That's what he's referring to here. In this tent, in our body, we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we'd be unclothed, but that we'd be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That's the first Corinthians reference of immortality putting or mortality putting on immortality. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. So while we're here in this body right now on earth, we're away from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage. We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So, and then whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. There, verse 8 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, 
We would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I think that kind of, for me, seals the deal yeah. of what Christ said on the cross. That that body-soul dichotomy is split. The body stays here. The soul goes off to be with the Lord. And Paul says, this is what we want. We'd rather the body stay here and we go and be with the Lord. Yeah. And this isn't this isn't talking about the second resurrection. This isn't talking about you know when Christ returns. This is just talking about right now, today. I would rather be with God. I would rather leave this body behind and be with God today. Yeah. Um. So I think that I, I think when we die, uh, we do our soul separates our immortal soul separates from the body. We go off to be uh, with Christ in heaven. Um, that's what Paul's clearly saying here that he would rather do as, and then he's kind of saying this is, and this should be our attitude too. But if we die, if we don't die, our aim is the same and that's to please him. Yeah. That's great, man. Um, I think that this question is one that I think it's been around, obviously since the beginning of time, people want to know, you know, what's going to happen next. Um, we've seen a resurgence, I think of this within the last, couple of decades um, because of, I think, books, right? People, um, I don't remember what what the book is called, but I know that there's been several books where people said that they have died and they've gone to, yeah, they've gone to heaven. Yeah. And so uh, people have always been curious about this, but you've got this, well, now you have the opportunity and ability to write something and then have it have it spread out there. And there's certain verses I think that you have to contend with. And I appreciate the fact that you talked about, you know, what heaven is now is not what it's going to be. Mm. Um, and Revelation tells us, right, we're going to get a new heaven and, an, and a new earth. And so whatever state people are in now, and I agree with everything you said, you know, uh, you know, if if I was to die today, then I know that I'm going to be my soul will be in heaven with the Lord. Um, but I'm going to, I will change when I get that resurrected body. Yeah. When that, that new body can't wait for that. <laughs> looking forward to a new shoulder. Shoulder, I got a wonky shoulder. I'm looking forward to God taking care of. Um, and then obviously we'll get a, a new heaven as well. Yeah. And I think that it makes sense. And there's not, the, the more difficult thing is, is, I guess out of the two or the, or the less clear thing is what happens to the unbeliever right now. Yeah. Like what state are they yeah. in? Because it seems when you read revelation 20, like that, that's when that final judgment takes place, but it would make sense that they would be at a place like, I guess, holding tank, but not necessarily the holding tank, but they're still experiencing right torture. And then I think the other thing that um, I want to highlight too, is that these two states when God creates, when God knits uh, someone in the womb and he creates us, everybody gets a soul, everybody, not just those, you know, that he's given faith to, not just his children, his sons, his daughters, uh, even those, even the wicked that are built for the day of destruction and those vessels of wrath get a soul and the soul is eternal. Yeah. Period. Um, I, I don't believe the scriptures support, you know, a view where those who are in Christ live forever and those who are outside of Christ uh, don't live forever in their state as well. But there's a whole kind of view that the soul is annihilated after a period yeah. of time, and I think that's an important thing to teach as well. Otherwise, yeah. if it eventually ends, then, and I understand that you know we don't know when that would end, but there that's not that's not ongoing judgment. Yeah, eventually that's grace. Right. 
and in once you've died post mortem, there yeah. is no there is no chance for conversion. Like what you are now is what you will be. We see, we see that in scripture yeah. as well. Th- that you know there is no post mortem. I can make a choice, and if annihilation is a view that you hold, annihilation is an extension of grace. Think about this: when we see a wounded animal, let's say a goose. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave that alone. <laughs> what do you do? You say things, yeah. there, there's a there's a phrase out there. Let's put a let's put it out of its misery, yeah, misery. and so the, and so that's an extension of yeah. of grace. That's that's a great point. Annihilationism is is something I think is taught to maybe soften yeah, the gospel, oh, big time to soften the gospel <laughs> yeah. to um, that idea that believers go to heaven and then yeah the soul of the non believers they're just done right um, and and. The reason I don't think that's scriptural is because that's not what Jesus taught. Right. There's nobody in scripture that talked more about hell than Jesus. He he just he brought it up and discussed it more than anybody else. Um and he taught conscious eternal punishment, not this idea that, you know, you you are punished, you get a slap on the wrist and then that's it and then your consciousness uh goes away. Um and that actually that leads actually I think to the next uh, point I, I want to make um, is um, this this kind of intermediate state that that we're, we that happens when we die. Uh, it, that's also it's referred to sometimes as the intermediate state. Yeah. The um, this when you die, but you know, you're in between. Turn, in right. Between. Yeah. Because um, some some have have led to believe that this idea in Scripture, the New Testament, we that phrase that fallen asleep means that um, we are falling asleep and we're unconscious. So right. if we've died, we've really fallen asleep and we're not conscious of anything. Um, and that's not really an appropriate use of that phrase. Uh, there's a term called soul sleep that um, you die and then you go to this state of soul sleep, waiting for that great white throne judgment scene. So you're not aware of what's going on. You're not conscious. You're not. It's just like you're taking a nap. You're waiting for, you know, you're waiting for the eschaton, the next age. Um, that's not really su- supported by Scripture either, though. Um, and there's several things, uh, several examples from that. Um, the rich man Lazarus, the parable in Luke 16. Um, do we have time to read this? We do. We do. <laughs> I, I, I don't care if we, this is the only question that we answer today. I'd rather get, I'd rather be thorough, you know. So depth as opposed to the breadth. Okay. Well, there's this parable in Luke uh, 16. It's the rich man and Lazarus, and it's not necessarily the same Lazarus that we we just mentioned earlier, the one yeah. that was um, that was raised again. But um, Jesus gives us this story, and it's it's unique in a couple ways. But I, I want to read it because um, there's just a lot here. Mm-hmm. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side, at Abraham's side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. 
But Abraham said, child, remember that you in your life lifetime received your good things and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us you and a, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that you who would pass from here to you or in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And the, and the rich man said, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they don't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. There's so much there. First of all, we have to look at this as, as a teaching. Jesus is trying to teach us something. And the main themes of what he's teaching is uh, really about money, he t teaching us about wealth and how we should regard each other and treat each other. Um, and then we see that the money fails the rich man and he dies. And he dies just like Lazarus, the poor man, dies. So Jesus has set up this story, and there's— there's actually some debate as to whether this is a parable or not. Yeah, a lot. Um, <laughs> a lot of debate. Some people believe this actually is an event that happened. Yeah. I lean toward the side that this is a parable. Same. Um, people say it's not a parable because actual names, names are used. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, Moses or Father Abraham is used. That name is given. So, or Moses is used in there as well. So it makes sense to have names. Um, the rich man wasn't named. But... Um, I think it is a parable, but... Unless his name was Rich. <laughs> and it was just a description. Rich guy. The two, Rich. Two. Rich man. Rich man. That That's his, his name. name. Yeah. Richard man. Richman. <laughs> Richman. <laughs> Zelda guy. Jared Richman. Jared Richman. <laughs> but we, we can look at this and, and, and still see that Jesus probably isn't making everything up. Like, he's not going to give us a completely fabricated... Fa fabricated fantastical story to frame his parable right and parables were stories and examples that weren't real but they also existed in the universe yeah so we could understand them yeah to some degree in in i like you lean that this is you know um a, a parable and probably not an actual literal yeah. event however it does stand out among all the other yes. parables for several reasons you got names that's that's one but it's also after after you die yeah. So, you know, everything, you got a certain shrewd manager and here's some seeds and plant them in the ground. Yeah. And, and so this, this one certainly stands out, which means that we need to pay, I think, not the, that you can really categorize this, but pay really close attention to what Jesus is saying there. Cause he's giving us some insight, mm -hmm. I believe, into the future, the, the end of things. When, yeah. when life ends here, it's not only a warning that what you do now produces what happens, you know, in the future. But it's it's also just this is what's there's two options here. Yeah, yeah, and this drives home the point in uh, Hebrews. It says man is destined to die once and then comes judgment. Yeah, that's plain and simple. You die once and then comes judgment. You fall asleep once if you're a believer and then comes judgment. Yeah. Um. So that that excludes this whole idea of purgatory. Uh. The whole idea of purgatory that you you die once and then you you try to make up or atone for your sins, or are purified in some way, and then you can reach, uh, reach heaven. Like that, that's, that's really not found in scripture. Yeah. Um, 
and and that gets into the whole uh, problem that the Catholic Church has with our works uh, attributing uh, contributing to our righteousness yeah. and our righteousness not being found solely in Christ, but also us contributing to our own righteousness. Yeah, it waters down the blood of Jesus. That's that's the thing that um, I had to. Um, We've got some students here to go, that go to a, a school, and this school is one of them. I talked to you about this yesterday. That I want to interview pastors, and one of the questions that I had to that the kid asked me um, was, "Well, I don't want to miss. I don't want to misquote it. It's right here on my email." Um, well, and so is Romeo's Pizza limited time off for talk on it. I've gotten sidetracked. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I think if I just our listeners are probably getting texts from Domino's by now. <laughs> Their phones have heard us talking about it. <laughs> they heard us mention Domino's. That's what the problem is. Well, while you're looking up, yeah, let no, me please. make a quick yeah, point. Go for it. Uh, Jesus is also telling us there's this two places. There's two. There's a place of torment, and then there's a place of paradise. And they're both active, they're both conscious. So it works against this idea of soul sleep that we kind of just are on pause or in a holding pattern until the second coming. I mean, you think of the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, they were on the mountain with Jesus. They weren't in this state of just being asleep in the ground somewhere or uh, even maybe potentially with their bodies just, you know, um, six feet under. They were alive, they were conscious. The martyrs in Revelation 6, uh, when they're given an audience with God, they, they are active. They, they actually have an idea of somewhat what's going on on the earth. They said, God, when are you going to avenge our blood? When are you going to avenge our death? Um, how long is it going to take? And God comforts them, but they're, they're, they're awake. They're online, so to speak. Um, and that, that I, think, I think tells us that this idea of soul sleep isn't, isn't accurate. Okay, I found this questions. If we have free will, then how can we be predestined to go to heaven or hell? If we have free will, then how can we be predestined to go to heaven or hell? And that's a whole other question for a whole other day. Yeah. But it does lend itself to this idea of purgatory and free will. And, you know, is there unlimited free will or is there limited free will? And without getting too much into the weeds, from my understanding of scripture, I see more of a, a limited free will, that there are certain things within our life, and you got to define free will, and we're not getting into all that today. But when it comes to whether or not you go to heaven heaven or hell, there, it's a mystery. It's a mystery between how God draws the individual, God giving faith. you got to contend with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that it's a gift from God. And if right now you said, you have to give me a gift, you can't force me to give a gift. There's nothing you can do to make me, even if you threaten my life. Yeah. I could submit my life and not give you a gift. And so it is incredibly complex. I don't want to minimize it. But if there is a place or if there is a time after you die where you can somehow earn salvation, then it, you've reduced it to to a work. Yeah. And I think God makes it clear in his scriptures and Jared and I have handled this a, a little bit, you know, um, Romans nine and this idea that God has, has decided already. I preached a whole sermon, uh, called the chosen where, you know, I don't care how you cut the mustard. God's making the first move regardless. Yeah. He He's making the move. What happens after that? But he made the first move. So that's, that's how, you know, we're, we're chosen. And so, what this does is this shifts authority to to people, which doesn't make it doesn't make any sense if you just read if you just read the Bible. Um, anything else you want to say about this topic? I think it's I think you handled it 
incredibly well. Um, well, I, 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 I'll mention quickly. Yeah, no, um, go for it. You know, the the question was said. The Catholics are quite clear. We are kind of jumping off of that as our launch point. Um, I've I've used this book. It's called Roman Catholic Theology and Practice. Um, an evangelical assessment. So this actually goes through the catechism of the Catholic Church, and if you're interested in what the Catholic Church actually believes or teaches, um, this has been a great resource for me. I wasn't raised Catholic. I know many people in this area have been, yeah. um, and are and want to know like these kind of things. You know what? How are we? What, what do we say that's different? Um, or you know where do we uh, agree maybe or or disagree? Um, but this this goes through the whole catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, and and then also responds to each section as to how an evangelical response. I found it very helpful. Um, you can find find it at your local library. Actually, probably not. But <laughs> I feel like can I find it online. Um, it's from Crossway. I have uh, a feeling it's tremendously like nine, helpful. Nine point font. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling. That I this mean, is... it's not something you probably would sit and read. Um, yeah cover to cover but if you have a question like this it's it's yeah. kind of more of a reference to look to look up um yeah what else are you reading right now what else am i reading let me pull up my list uh yeah <laughs> i've had to keep a list um let's see i'm reading a devotional called fear and trembling um it's about the fear of god um uh, I just finished a book on postmillennialism. I'm gonna read, oh, here we go. I'm gonna read another one on here it. Here we go. Um, <laughs> Did you like Jared's text yesterday? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Um, let's see. Yeah, I always have four or five books going. Yeah, I, I have them in different categories. How do you how do you do that? I mean, I'm not a um, I'm not a person that reads a lot of books outside of. Well, if you, you want to be a reader, and, yeah. if you want to be a reader, I encourage that. If you want to read more. Don't be afraid to read five books at a time. Really? Okay. I um four or five like but break up like I have a I have like a devotional book I read a theological book I'll read uh, a fiction a book of fiction um and then you get to read for school right um, now too and right? then and then one for school and then one and one of poetry. Um, Let's get back to this fiction novel you're reading. Yeah. Uh, what do you got there? I'm reading um. The Brothers Karamazov. Uh, if you remember when I was on the podcast yeah. months ago, Jared asked that that meet and greet was about what book. Uh, after that, I a little while after that, I started that book again. So the atrium inspired. <laughs> it did. Because <laughs> uh, it kind of even to what you're saying earlier about Mario Kart Double Dash, because I read that at, right out of college. Yeah. And now I'm reading it again uh, on the other side of having a family and being, you know, uh, an adult. Yeah, uh, and being someone established in a career, like just the perspective of reading that book again from my point of view now is just completely different. Yeah, like the characters I relate to differently now, and I see it differently. So, if you like reading a, a fictional type of book, like what's your favorite category of books to read? Are you like a mystery type of um, person, or do you enjoy? I. I, I is it a romance? I novel? don't read a lot of fiction because <laughs> is cause... Fabio on the cover of your books, Mark? <laughs> Confess. <laughs> um, I don't read a lot of fiction. Okay, yeah. I, I I actually kind of have to try to keep a fiction in the loop in the loop, um, so you can take a break. Yeah, like because yeah. when I get into one a, a book of a fiction, like I I'll I'll get into it. And I'll really enjoy it. But well, where are you reading? When you reading? I mean, I mean, like like it's kind of my hobby. Oh, <laughs> like, okay, like I. 
Like, that's kind of what I do. Because so at the end of the night, the kids go to bed. Like, what's normally you and Brandy? You watch like a TV show? Yeah, we watch TV. Will you usually separate watch sometimes? TV. Or eh, read? Not okay. usually we'll watch TV or just something like that. Okay. Uh, I read in the mornings. Okay. That's it. That's my other thing. If you want to be a reader is always have a book in your hand. And because we have so much downtime. I don't know how this turned into me. <laughs> Let the advice. P- this like is the atrium. Advice. <laughs> like, <laughs> the atrium. Professor Mark Mattingly. Burton. He's a professor of English and literature um, at Stanford University. Always have a book in your hand because we have so, like, even if you just have five minutes of downtime, you're like in these little in between transitions, like, yeah. just open up the book instead of opening this up. Right. Like, because we, we waste so much time scrolling through Instagram or whatever. And, and, you can get so much reading done if you just read a few pages at a time yeah. in a, a couple minutes you have. You ever watch that Bill Gates documentary? I forget what it was on, mm-hmm. um, but it he has this, um, it's not a backpack, it, it, it's like a, a bag, like a, a um, cloth bag with handles. It's like something okay. from like the 60s or 70s yeah. that he has a pile of books in and the dude carries it around everywhere. Yeah. And he's doing exactly... What I'm trying to tell you is you're basically Bill Gates oh, right now. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> uh-oh. Sure. <laughs> is this the platform you're <laughs> I'm pro-machine gun anti-Bill Gates. <laughs> no, but he was a ferocious reader. Yeah. Um, and, and still is, I guess, to this day. I think this documentary also showed he drinks a lot of Coca-Cola. Hmm. Like everywhere he goes, there's like a refrigerator, like somebody on it, like with a dolly behind him, <laughs> like dollying a refrigerator. Right. Yeah. I guess you need the caffeine if you're going to yeah. read that, read that much. So you like, and this is interesting, you like analog books, we'll call them analog yeah. traditional books. Yeah. Uh, but when you preach, that's iPad. I, I have, I would say half of my stuff is analog, half of it's digital. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say making, you ever get like a Kindle or something yes, like that? Yes. I okay. have a Kindle. Okay. And that's, that's what I'm trying, like, oh, that's what I'm reading, like Brothers Karamazov on. Like, gotcha. Okay. The stuff that I'm reading and I know I'm not going to take notes or highlight. Yeah. Like, I'll do that on the Kindle. Okay. Um, devotional stuff that I'm, you know, you just, I just read and you're not like studying per se. Um, that, that's on the Kindle, um, which I, re- I highly recommend that too. Yeah. Cause I have, I have a tablet that I preach off. I have the phone, you know, but like the Kindle is just like, there's just no distractions. Well, it's made for, it's that. made for yeah. that. That's all it does. And I right. love that about it. Like I get on my phone and I'm, you know, before I know it, I'm ordering Domino's. Yeah. And, like, well. <laughs> the Domino's app is just so easy to use. And, it is. And it's just, it is. <laughs> I find the Marco's app is incredibly easy to use. <laughs> And Marco's Marco. So here's the thing. I get some kickbacks from this. Well, here's what's here's what's upsetting to me. Um, Marco's never texts me, like never. But then I realized <laughs> it's because they don't have to. They don't <laughs> because have because to. I chase them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I turn the neighbors onto to Marco's. That those this Marco's in Sheffield and what it is. One Sheffield Village. <laughs> they just know what they're doing. Yeah. And I've got to right like now. Marco's. Yeah. Right now, here's what I'm doing. It's a. Uh, it's a. Pizza, standard pizza, standard crust. You know, not thin crust, not not deep dish from from Marcos, and it's uh, triple cheese. <laughs> yeah, oh. Just oh yeah, I know, I know, it gets wild. Uh, triple cheese, a pepperoni, and then uh, banana peppers. Oh yeah, and then a garlic butter Parmesan Roma cheese on the crust, and then Parmesan Roma cheese on the actual pie itself. This is how detailed you can get on the app. Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> I've had so many embarrassing moments. I eventually have to move on from pizza places. Like yeah. it got to the point where I was walking into Antonio's in Avon and they were like, Hey Neil. And I was like, I need to, it's time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, guys, I'm, I'm going to have to go. <laughs> so the, uh, <laughs> I'm not trying to brag, but, uh, the delivery, uh, 
gentleman who delivered the pizza, uh, you know, I opened up the door and he was like, he's like triple cheese. He's like pepperoni, banana pepper. He's like, this is a solid, solid order. And <laughs> you know I, what you're doing. And for some reason, I, that made me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's like words of affirmation you received all year. Who's that? And I'm like, I don't know. I th- <laughs> the app told me it was Kevin, <laughs> but he complimented my pizza choice. But I'm figuring this guy's an expert. Oh yeah. Can you imagine he's got all this stuff and he, you know, like pineapple and anchovies. Oh my goodness, I can't yeah. believe it. But he's still got to give him a product. Yeah. I'm wondering if he also gives the warning to the people where he's handing this off and he's like, listen, you made a bad choice today. <laughs> like. <laughs> We don't want your business if yeah. this is what you're going to do. Go to Domino's. They'll give you whatever you want. That's what it is. Well, I think that's probably enough uh, for today. We want to. Um, we've got another couple of questions that uh, I'm going to require. They're going to require a whole nother, a whole nother podcast. Uh, odds are you and I will be doing those as well. So things that we're going to talk about uh, in the coming weeks are the role of women in ministry. And then uh, what is the church's stance on deacons? That's a good one, and I'm looking forward to getting into that as well. So any other final thoughts, anything you want to say about heaven and or hell? You know, that question about uh, where what happens when we die, where do we go? Um, I think a lot of it, a lot of it comes from a place of a loved one has died. Mm, and mm, I just mm. want to, I want to encourage, uh, the believers out there, yeah. you know, if you, if you die in the Lord, you're with the Lord and you are in yeah. a better place Yeah, and, uh, you are, you're experiencing, uh, some of those promises that, that mm. have been given to us. Um, you don't have to wait for it. We're not going to take a long nap. We're not going to be in some sort of purgatory or anything like that. Uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're by Jesus' side. Yeah. I remember um, it was about five years ago my grandfather passed away. He was 92. He was a great man of the Lord. And uh, there was this moment where we were all, he he wanted to be at home. And so he was living um, at my mom's house, but they had built a, a little addition on there for my grandma and my uh, grandfather. And he was unresponsive for maybe about, I don't know, it was about a day, day and a half. And... I mean, this guy just loved the Lord, and he's just uh, one of the best men I've ever met. My son's named after him. So mm-hmm. my grandfather was Russell Henry. He's Henry Russell. And he was laying in the hospice bed, and we were all sitting around, and he loved these old-timey hymns. He loved this hymn called Beulah Land. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. so my mom, who is, a, I think, still a fine singer, um, she played piano, violin, saxophone. She was very musical. Uh, was there my uncle Russ, who was in uh, Liberty's traveling choral group, great singer, and that's these are the songs that they sang uh, in you know but in those days. And then my grandma, and my sister, and Natalie are, are you know good singers as well. So we're all holding holding hands, and everybody's singing this song. Um, except I, I I didn't really know the lyrics as well, <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> but we were singing the song. We got done, and he sat up in bed. And he just raised his hands and he yelled, I'm ready, Jesus. <laughs> and then he went back down and within an hour he was gone. Yeah. And I remember this odd moment because I've, as uh, a pastor, I've had opportunity to be in the room when um, people, people die. And I was in the room when Rachel's grandma passed away, when my grandfather passed away. And um, when he, when he took his final breath there was this uh 
um, unique feeling um, that was happy mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. 92 years. Uh, and he was pretty pretty sharp for 92, but his body had, yeah. it was failing. And uh, my grandma's still large, 95. But it is a celebration. Yeah. And you, when you read the scriptures, you know, Paul, to live is Christ, to die is is gain. Yeah. Um, and it's a balance because you want to set your sights on the realities of heaven, but you want to make sure that you're doing the good works that God is preparing in advance for you to do here on this earth. And so it is this, this balance. Um, but when someone goes to be with the Lord, uh, it is it is a sense of relief. And it does, talking about death is something that, and death is something that terrifies people. I'll not only say uh, for those that have lost loved ones that are in the Lord, that they truly are in a better place. But if you are in the Lord, you don't need to fear death. Mm-mm. You you don't. Um, you you welcome it when God brings it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you certainly don't usher it in, right? Hebrews, you said, you know, it's it's appointed unto man. It's destined to man wants to die. Uh, I believe that date is set for all of us. Um, that's part of what God has done. But we don't need to fear it as well. And so I love this question because this is an acknowledgement of what is an absolute in life? When I was a kid, we had to do a, a, a report on epitaphs. And I remember I went to a cemetery on West Ridge Road. And it was West Ridge and like Russia Road over in Illyria. And I read this epitaph. It was, reader believe as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. I have never forgotten that. Wow. And I remember I read that and I was like, I want to, dad, come get me. <laughs> like I was a young kid. But it's, you know, you listen to that and it's, it rhymes and it's, you know, whatever, it's clever, but it, it's true. Mm. It's it's true. We all will, we all will pass away. Um, but as the faithful in Christ, we know that what awaits us is far better than what's here. And hopefully it motivates us to, be obedient to the word of the Lord, to do the work. The next couple of weeks in the 101s is about, it's about obedience. You know, I'm going to talk about evangelism this week. Like, why do we evangelize? Like, what's the reason? And and ultimately, it, it does boil down to obedience because God tells us to. And yes, we should have a love for the lost and a love for God, but that that love for the Lord produces obedience. Discipleship, why do we disciple? It's it's obedience. And so hopefully this this drives us to want to be more obedient to our Lord um, because we love him, not just for what he's done for us, but for who he is. Um, And so thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, tackling this question for us today. If you do have questions for the Atrium podcast, or specifically for Pastor Mark, who's going to be here for the next, well, we don't know how long. We don't know what's going on. I don't know if Jared works here anymore. (laughs) I think he does. Uh, we're still writing checks, so I think <laughs> I think he's still here. Uh, but you can email them to podcast at hopechristianchurch.com, uh, or you can text your question to 440-HOPE-222, and we welcome all questions about all topics. Thank you for being here. Thanks for yeah. gleaning, or thanks for allowing us to glean your wisdom. And any final thoughts? No. Are we eating pizza for lunch? Get Domino's. <laughs> all right. Domino's it is. All right. Thanks. Yeah.